Pat Caputo and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. Fly ball, deep left field. On Tigers Radio, 97.1, the ticket. Hey, Pack and here along with Double D, Dan Dickerson. And we've revived the tradition of snow yes, on I'm... Tiger Talk Days. Well, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it wasn't too bad today. Uh, but the Friday that you were off, that was the day we had the uh, mother of all snowstorms. So I had to do that solo. And, uh, yeah, I got a dose of it right that day. <laughs> well, we up north in Clarkston, we actually got about six, seven inches. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I live right by it, not too far. I can see Pine Knob from my house. It's on the same street, Happy basically. for them. Yes. Uh, but anyway, 248-539-9797. Uh, we got a treat for you. Cole Keith had a news conference today. We're expecting to be joined by uh, Reese Olson. Uh, Tigers. Yeah, we got, we got two this two, hour. Two for the price of one this hour. And uh, we'll start out. Dan did an interview uh, with Colt Keith. He signed a nine-year, $82 million contract. Uh, we'll get into all the details, but uh, let's take it away. Uh, Dan's interview with Colt Keith. Well, Colt, we'll just start with the fact that you are here in Detroit because the Tigers have decided to make a commitment to you. First contract in franchise history, and there haven't been many in Major League history where you signed a long-term deal before you played in the Major Leagues. I understand the contact was made <clears throat> at the end of December with your agent. Can you just talk about what this last month has been like? I'm sure there's been a mixture of emotions for you as you realize, oh my gosh, the Tigers are ready to commit to me before I have a Major League at bat. Yeah, I mean, it was it was great just to have those conversations. I mean, it, it was, um, you know, it truly made me feel like, you know, my hard work was paying off. You know, whether we got a deal done or not, I was just happy we were having these conversations going into spring training and the season. Um, but, man, it's it's been really a, a whirlwind of emotions, mostly positive. I mean, you know, obviously they first come with me at the winter meetings. They want to talk about a long-term extension, and we're like, hey, great, let's start doing it. And then we start, you know, doing looking through information, looking through comps, and looking through the number that we feel is, you know, we're comfortable to take. And, um, you know, and then there's negotiating. We got through it, and now we're, you know, here we signed, and, and it's just awesome. And my, me and my family and, and my fiancé and my agents were just so happy we can get it done and, you know, put me in a position where I can, you know, have fun and, and go out yeah. and pursue my dreams. So. This has been quite the path for you, a rapid path to the, right now the brink of being in the major leagues. You're the fifth-round pick, which in 2020, that awful COVID season, was the last round of the draft. And then you start in West Michigan, or I'm sorry, Lakeland, you tear it up there. You go to West Michigan, struggle a little bit, start in 2022 at West Michigan, tear it up, have the shoulder injury, miss the rest of that season, but have a good fall season. And then we'll talk about 2023 when you really seem to take off. Can you just talk a little bit about, it's been fascinating to watch you, the bat-to-ball skills, obviously there when they drafted you. Then the power starts to come on in year two. Uh, and then really comes on in year three of your professional career. What were kind of the key steps? Because that, to me, seems like a real balancing act, that ability to hit for average and develop the power. Yeah, I mean, it, it was crazy. It feels like it went by really fast, but at the same time you think about it day by day, it went by really slow. Um, but, yeah, when I first got drafted, man, I was I was too small. I was unpolished. I didn't have any defense, and it was it was – 
and I went to instructional league and I faced Jason Foley and I was like, man, I got a lot of work to do. Uh, back foot sliders. I was like, yeah, this is not going to be a fun couple of years. Um, but you know, I was with Trammell. I was with uh, Jeff Branson. I was with these great coaches that, you know, kind of like, Hey, calm down. You'll be all right. You know, we'll figure it out. So I come back next year. I started rookie ball out of spring training and you know, I'm tearing it up. I'm, I'm hitting base hits, not much power. Um, playing third base, doing okay, you know, getting better every day. I was pitching in high school, so mostly this is my first time, like, getting better at fielding. And, um, you know, I finally make it to low A, and then I struggled for a little bit, and, you know, felt like it was over, and my emotions were going crazy. And I had great <laughs> felt like it was over. It was All right, over. that's it. I've, yeah, I've reached so, my level. Right. Um, and then we had, you know, Graham at, at low A and, and all these great coaches that have had experience and talked to me through it. And, um found my barrel and, and started getting base hits and I was just like man I feel like I can bat 400 so I started batting high as I could get it and uh, you know I didn't have power yet I wasn't really thinking I was just trying to get base hits base hits base, hit, base hits went up to high A and struggled and again man it felt like I was done uh, this is my wall um, end the year and you know I had great coaches up there with Pena and you know we I went back to the offseason I'm like you know, if I can hit that average, you know, that's that'll keep me going up. But I also got to get more power. I'm looking at Miggy and Bryce Harper yeah. and Nick Casionis, these guys that I look up to, and they're hitting 30 homers. You know, what am I doing with two? So I'm not going to work. So I go out, and then I basically just lift as hard as I can, um, get quicker, put in all the work I can to get the, the power numbers up, go into 2022, um, you know, and start off okay find my swing mechanics i'm stronger i got a bigger bat and i'm starting to hit balls out i get up to like, i think it was like nine or ten homers and then i dive back to first and dislocate my shoulder um tear my labrum four month rehab again felt like i was gonna have to get surgery felt like i was gonna um you know but you avoided the surgery i did yeah. yes felt like i was gonna have to get surgery and that, that can be a death sentence for you know pitchers for sure um, you know, definitely because it was my throwing arm. So I was just scared. You know, I wanted to just get healthy. And again, we had great coaches down there. We had Corey Trumbull walking me through us. And so, all right, we had Duncan. We had um, all these guys down there. And, and you know, they're just like, you know, helping me through it. I get through it. I go to the fall league and I stay healthy. And I, I hit really well, hit some homers. Yeah. Finally starting to hit my stride, feel good against good pitching. Um, and then obviously, you know, going into this year, which we'll, you said we'll talk about after this, but it was just... It's well, it just, might as well just talk about it. Okay, 27 yeah, home good, runs, yeah. 101 RBIs. You go from double A AA to triple A, tear it up at both levels. I mean, there was just so much to like. The thing that really jumps out to me, a young lefty, you're 900 OPS against lefties and righties. Yep. And that to me was like, that's, I, I had to be what the Tigers are thinking too. This is a sign of this kid's going to have success at the major level. Yeah, I mean, it, it was... 2022 offseason after the fall league I did the same thing I got as strong as I could and my wrist my forearms um, kept working on my swing to keep my head stable and my, and my you know just try to get as much of a stock swing as I can get and keep that head still and keep the hands quick and then I go into 2022 I, I struggle a little bit in the beginning um, I wouldn't say I was strong I was 240 250 not what I wanted to be and you know then I start hitting my stride I start catching the barrel out front I start hitting homers to left right center I'm hitting lefties my head's staying really still and I stay healthy you know and I got these great coaches around me great teammates we're working through it get called up to triple a right off the bat crush it struggle a little bit for like maybe a couple weeks and then get back into it and I start crushing it again 
And, you know, it was just like being around all these great hitters, these great hitting coaches. And, you know, Anthony Iaposi really helped me. Capicelli really helped me. These guys, they just continue to walk me through it, just like it was in low A, high A, double A. And um, this whole time I'm working on my fielding, I'm getting better all around. And it's happening fast. I'm getting better because I'm around these guys, my teammates. They're so good. Um, and, and I started hitting my stride. I started hitting homers. And I finished the year healthy. Shoulder was great. Um, I had very little problems with it, and uh, you know it was just it was just I felt like guys go into the into pro ball it's really overwhelming and, and kind of crazy and I just had such a good support group with the coaches my parents my fiance and just kind of kept my head down kept working and then it just kind of worked out for me you know and and you know it was a lot of hard work sweat a lot of tears and you know definitely some blood with the injury it was just like yeah you know I put it all into it and you know it was all that just to get here it was definitely all worth it it's so funny to hear you talk about it. I mean we're looking at this like oh this guy's been a star all the way up but to hear your own brutal scouting report coming out of high school and the work that you knew you had to do. I was reading a story about is Brian O'Neill, the sprint coach that you worked with, has worked with Olympic athletes, and he said, you're as hard a worker as he's ever seen. Alan Trammell mentioned that when he talked about you transitioning from third over to second base. We've heard about, you know, okay, he's going to struggle to find a position. He said, I have no doubts because of the work ethic of Cole Keith. Can you just talk a little bit about that? I mean, has that always been an internal drive that you have had? Because that's the kind of player this team is looking for. Yeah, I mean, it, it got implemented into me when I was young. Me and my brother, we were wrestlers growing up, and my dad went to college for wrestling, and he really had, you know, wanted us to go wrestle in college. Yeah, man, it was tough. <laughs> I mean, I was cutting weight at nine years old with trash bags on, and I wanted it. I wanted to win, and I was... Uh, you know, working hard, and my parents worked hard to get to where they're at, and, you know, that was just something that was instilled in us, and so when I got this opportunity to go to professional baseball, it was just like, it, you know, all I have to do is work hard to get to my dream, and to me, that's like, that's not a problem, you know, it's, I can just go out and work as hard, work harder than anybody, um, you know, that's what I've done this offseason, and that's what I intend to keep doing as the year goes, as the years come, I'm, I'm just going to keep working, that's one thing that, that you know, coaches and and my teammates and Tigers fans can count on is I'm if I'm not good enough a second I'm going to work every day until I'm good enough and then I'm going to keep going yeah you know even hitting wise if I struggle I'm just going to keep working I'm not going to there's no there's no give at all you know there's no I'm not just going to give in to anything that's the thing. When I talked to Tram in September, he said he was real impressed with you. Uh, you're moving at that point from third to second. Talk about the challenges there. Obviously, they've seen improvement, and the Tigers feel that that's a position you can hold down. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, like I said, the the main thing was getting around teammates. And so I had Johan Camargo up there at the time. I had Joe Rizzo. I had Ryan Kreidler. I had all these great fielders. And, you know, just taking ground balls with them every day. I had Anthony Iaposi as a coach. He gave me a different, um, you know, view on how, how to view my work and how to view, nice. you know, how I go about all this. It's not, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I don't want to make an error. I want to be, you know, I want to be better, but right. I'm going about it the wrong way. So I'm just going out there, try to have fun and play with how – what I have, the tools I have, and you know, if I'm feeling like I'm going to make an error, I just work the next day and get better and better and better. I'm working around Ryan Kreidler, Joe Rizzo, Johan Camargo, these great fielders, and just watching how they go about their work, and that really changed everything.
you know. And being around Capicelli is the same thing. I mean, he's hitting me ground balls every day. We're getting better. And, you know, the toughest transition was around second base, um, turning double plays and stuff like that. And, you know, as my arm kept on getting stronger and stronger, that came more natural with the different arm slots and being able to turn the double plays quicker, stuff like that. And, and you know, it's a continued process. It's just going to keep getting better as time goes on. And now we have Joey Cora, Mr. Joey Cora. Yeah. He's, he's the man. He's I worked with them in Lakeland for a couple of days, man, and I felt I feel better already. I know that's I got better. Awesome. In three days, I got better. So you know, this is a guy that's going to push me, and he's and he knows I have a high. Um, I have, I, have, I have a thing where you know he can push me as hard as he wants. He's not going to find my yeah. breaking point, and he knows it. <laughs> he pushed me in Lakeland. He's not going to find my breaking point. So this is a, something where where we can push each other, and he's going to make sure I'm in the position to help the Tigers win at second base. And now Tigers fans know why the Tigers wanted to extend you before you've ever had a major league at bat. Cole, thank you so much. Congratulations on the contract. Can't wait to see you down in Lakeland. All right. Yeah, thank you, man. I'm just excited for the season. I'm. We're going to win as many games as we can and see where that takes us. All right. Thanks a lot. Yes, sir. Thank you. Cold key. Stay with us. We've got more to this on the Detroit Tigers Radio Network. Well, Dan, you got that uh, Detroit Tigers Radio Network. I know. Network. I, I, I did not like that. I don't like it. It's just it's not like, a habit. Wow, man. It's just like, <laughs> it's like during the season, right after the A.J. Hinn show. With, I like the A.J. Hinn show. I've told you this a lot. I well, listen to it all the time. He's great on that show. With all due respect to other managers. This is he, he gives you information. He does. And he goes two or three levels, four levels deeper than you thought when you asked the question. And he, he actually answers your questions. You know, he doesn't, uh, you know, he gives a thoughtful answer. And I always like him when the deep voice guy goes, The A.J. Hinch Show with A.J. <laughs> Hinch. But uh, interesting interview. Uh, your first real encounter with Cole Keith. Um, I told you that uh, this kid is, uh, you know, a tremendous hitter. I think uh, today you've got a pretty good just that maybe the Tigers feel that way about him. Yeah, yeah. They, I just think there's no doubt about that. They know. I think every, you know, he is going to work very hard at second base. I think the the scouting report, certainly you watch a lot more than I have. Yes, he has a ways to go, but the the Tigers are in need of offense, and if he can hold down second base at an adequate level, and just remember how far Kerry Carpenter came as an outfielder uh, in just a short time at the major league level, I think they need the offense. They have no doubt that he is going to provide the offense. Scott Harris was asked, does this mean he's on the opening day roster? He said, with a big smile. Well, it certainly shows how we feel about him, but he will have to make the team like anybody else. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure you can pencil him in a second. I just, I, I don't know, talking to Tram, it's just I really believe this kid is going to make himself into a very good second baseman, or at least a very solid second baseman. Well, you know, I've, I've seen him. I watch a lot of these minor league games and all that, and this one of the things that I do. Uh, you know, I do a podcast on ninety-seven one, the ticket about drafts prospects. And he'll play and, some third, by the way. Scott Harris mentioned that today, right? So I'll give you kind of what uh, my my view on him is as well, uh, and also we'll get to your phone calls two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. Now, I don't know when Reese Olson's supposed to call in and all that stuff. I was no. just happy last week we had Kerry Carpenter for a while there. I thought it was going to get pause, and uh, <laughs> we didn't get pause. We got Kerry Carpenter right out of the gate. I was stunned. I walked in. It's right away. Dustin, were you working? It said Kerry Carpenter. Both well, very friendly people. Yeah. So. Kerry Carpenter is a very nice guy. He's it was a, a terrific guy. interview. Yeah. Uh, we had Spencer Torkelson on another week. So we've had some real A list guests, and we're hoping we get uh, a Reese Olson coming on here as well. This is uh, Tiger Talk and 97 won the ticket.
ball. Two strikes, runner goes. Here's the pitch. Uh, that's a high, deep drive to right field, and Oscar Gonzalez won't even turn around. Look out on Nationwide. That is gone, and it almost caused a car wreck out there. Uh, as a car that was turning off of Nationwide, had that one fall right in front of the bumper. And Colt Keith has his second AAA home run. Well, there you go, man. Uh, that was the guy when they threw the no-hitter, and you had uh, some personal thing. You weren't there uh, for the combined no-hitter from right. double-A announcer, right? What's his name? No, Greg Gagne. Greg Gagne. He's a double-A. That was triple-A. Oh, that was triple-A? I guess that was Jim Weber. That Jim was the uh, Colorado Sky Sox. Oh, that was the Colorado Sky Sox. Yeah. Yeah. You guys don't know your triple-A Colorado teams? <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, uh, uh, Jim Weber, I know his voice. And then, uh, yeah, I was thinking I, I should hearing. know, yeah, and that's not his voice, but I listen to him all the time and I watch him, you know, a little bit before the game or uh-huh. whatever because I look at the replays and I can't get it started at just the right time, <laughs> you know. So they have, I've watched their pregame show, but the announcers don't resonate in my mind for some reason, like the players. So. Fans will get to uh, know Greg a little bit this summer, he'll be filling in on the radio side when I go in and fill in on the TV side. Greg's terrific, and I'm really happy for him that he's getting the shot. Yeah, and he did, he did, uh, he did a good job that day in a tough situation, you know. We call in, and then all of a sudden, he got a no hitter, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but that was, uh, you know, uh, yeah, the, the Sky Sox guy. So maybe that's why he wasn't so enthusiastic. He put the ball through the uh, 473. Four seven. <laughs> I'll tell you what, uh, you know, just quickly before we go to the phones on this, I'll talk to you about it. I don't know how much I talked about it. Cole Keith. Uh, $538,000, the sixth player in a five-round draft that the Tigers took. The last round of the COVID draft. Right. And he, uh, I was surprised they got him for $538,000, to be honest with you. He was a double, uh, 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 going to be a double player at Arizona State. He was going to be a pitcher, and he was going to be, a, a, you know, an yeah. infielder. And uh, in the process of that, uh, the Tigers signed him. And it was amazing how good he was uh, so early and how obvious it was. He had a pretty downplayed the year he had at Grand Rapids. He was good. Um, he threw 92 miles an hour, so he had a very strong arm uh, coming out of high school. As an athlete, he is, as a high school player, he ran a 6960. 6'8 is the average. So he's got, you know, roughly average speed. And um, he's, you know, he, if his arm is okay, labrum surgery is pretty. Uh, but he avoided surgery, remember? Yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's a pretty. Yeah, but he had a tear, uh, and last year he had a sleeve on his arm all year. And there were a couple times where he didn't play a few days, and it was because that was of in his June. Arm. Yeah, and then he then he was healthy the rest of the way. Yeah, it was what like a week talking? they shut him down. Two days. Yeah, I know it was right before he got. Yeah, and there up. were a couple times where it was like two days or something in the in the middle of that because I watched him. You know every every move that he made last year. And that's but I think so. that's why Scott Harris wanted to make it clear that he does look at him as both a future second baseman. That's where he's probably going to be this year. But don't rule out third base. And let's face it, this is what the Tigers love to do. The more flexible you are position wise, and even his agent talked about it today. You know we work him out. He said at second, at third. You know maybe later in your career might be first. So they're very aware that that's kind of what the Tigers like, and that he can probably. Work at all three spots and hold down all three spots. Uh, you and I talked about it yesterday. I, I like this type of move. I love it. it. It's a progressive move. It's not this is what the good still. teams this do. This is what the good teams do. They identify somebody. Now I was a little bit surprised, uh, not because of hitting, because he is a you know he's got prodigious power, genuine power, but he's also a very good situational hitter. He can take a ball to left field. He can hit both right and lefties. He hangs in there. You know he hits different pitches. 
uh, effectively. He is going, I think, going to be an outstanding major league hitter. And I don't think you're going to maybe have the same amount of an adjustment that it took Torque when he came in. Now Torque is established and he's figured it out. It's not going to be that long with him. He's been through more professional levels and, you know, the off seasons and uh, Arizona Fall Leagues and all that different stuff. He is a very good hitter. Uh, but defensively, I don't know what his position necessarily is going to be. A uh, lot's going to hinge on the fact that he, and we're talking about the Tigers in the bigger picture. Jace Young and Colt Keith are both outstanding hitters. So, uh, you know, uh, that's, you know, the thing that we got to watch. But coming up next, we'll get to Eddie's phone call. Eddie always calls in a buck about the Tigers. And uh, we'll uh, take your phone calls as well, 248-539-9797. And uh, we'll dig into this deep. Dan uh, down there talking to a lot of folks today. Interested to hear what they have to say. Uh, it's the Tiger talking, 97 won the ticket. It's a no-ball, two-strike count on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Lang. Long look in from the belt. The 0-2 pitch, swinging a chopper left side, charging in McKinstry. On to first, no-hitter! For the first time in franchise history, the Tigers have thrown a no-hitter, a combined no-hitter. As they mob Alex Lang on the mound, and they have done it here today, Jimmy. What a win for the Tigers, a no-hitter this afternoon. That was Greg Gagne. Yeah, there you go, Greg Gagne. And uh, Jim Price was on that call that day, so late, great Jim Price. We miss him, by the way, uh, very much. Uh, I think he got you wearing some Tommy Bahama shirts a little bit there. <laughs> Through concerts. the years, no doubt. <laughs> hey, you guys could have been a bowling team uh, a few times when I was down there. Anyway, uh, 248-539-9797. Uh, what, what, today, you talk to a lot of people. Some come out of that today. Uh, it's been a little bit quiet, uh, I think, for a lot of the fans listening right now. Tigers have been a little under the radar. Other than me, mentioning them sometimes and talking about them. I don't think we talked about them too much here on the on the station because the lines were such a big deal, yeah. understandably in a way. But yeah, uh, sure. what what, uh, what did you take out of it? Because there were a couple of interesting notes. I mean, his agent's really interesting. Matt Paul, he, he discovered him, quote unquote, but he really got introduced to him when he was 14. And uh, he's been a major league scout. And so here's a guy who knows baseball and coaches his own nine-year-old son on a baseball team. But they work out together every day. He throws batting practice to Colt Key. So that was it, their dynamic is very interesting. And uh, I just liked listening to him, you know, figuring out all the parameters of how you make a deal like this. There have only been, what, eight in Major League history of a guy signing an extension before he ever had a Major League at bat. Uh, but I really was interested in, because for fans, I think this is when you think about, think about when Colt Keith was not being promoted in June. And everybody's like, why isn't he being promoted? And a couple of weeks later, he was. But in Parker Meadows, kind of same thing. Why wasn't he promoted earlier? Well, they, they always want to make sure. And Scott Harris has said this time and time and time again. But the point he made about Colt Keith today, I think, is really instructive in terms of as you watch others climb the ladder. Why they might not get promoted when you think. Because the numbers are good. But the Tigers are always looking another level deeper. And he said when he went to Toledo after crushing it at Erie. Struggled a little bit early. He said what impressed him was watching every at-bat, more experienced pitchers, 
probably many with Major League experience. I thought you had a great number the other day. All but two of his plate appearances at Toledo, or for the year, were against pitchers who were older than him versus younger than him. Just to give you an idea of the competition he was facing. But he said, so he's facing guys who are trying to get him to nibble, get him to chase. He's seeing more nasty pitches. And he said he just, he knew what they were trying to do to him, adjusted quickly. And he said, not only was he laying off those pitches, but now he's doing damage on those pitches. And that's when they realized this kid is special. So I thought that was that's instructive because we're going to see Jace Young probably tear it up this year. And at some point, you're going to be like, why isn't he called up? There's always something going on that they want that last little bit of refinement. So as Scott Harris says, when they get here, they have the best chance of staying here. Well, you know, I uh, was on the radio as uh, one of those uh, radio sports talk uh, blowhard guys. And uh, there was a point where I thought they should call him up. But it was a specific reason. Uh, It was when uh, Riley Green went out initially the first time. And uh, the team uh, was playing a tough slate of games, and they were, uh, there was somebody else out as well. Uh, they were missing a couple parts. And I said, look, you know, they're close. You know, they don't want to let the season get away. Uh, Keith could come up and give them a, an initial boost here for, you know, a 10-day period or something like that. And then you can send him back down. Because uh, I don't think he's the type of player you got to worry about how many options he has and all right. those type of things. Uh, you know, starting his clock or whatever. Certainly, it's not a point right now. Um, but uh, you know, he's he's really is a an exceptional hitter. He, look, he's the type of guy that he's going to hit some bombs. But also, if you, if you got him up in the eighth inning of a tie game and there's a runner on second, there's two outs and he's up. He needs to get him home. Yeah, he'll find a way. He'll find a way. It'll line drive. It's you a, know. it's a rare combination, isn't it, for of a young hitter of the ability of the bat to ball skills, the ability to hit for average, strike control, control the strike zone, meaning yeah. he can draw walks, but also does damage on pitches in the strike zone. And as we found out, when you start to see some nastier breaking balls at AAA level, he can do damage on those as well. It's a rare combination. I think they they just get very excited thinking about what he's going to do starting now. At the major league level, well, he's got uh, he's got the pitch recognition. I don't know how to describe it. You know, everybody's a guess here. Anybody who says they don't guess, or, you know, you can't hit major league pitching without some element of guess there. You know, probably at least half, probably more home runs are hit on uh, where you're looking. Uh, you know, fast yeah, you're ball. looking for a particular pitch in a particular spot, and then you end up with a you know a slider and your bat speeds up, and you hit right. it. And those guys don't even feel it in their hands, and they'll hit it 400 feet. Um, but this guy's got a little bit more of, you know, as the ball comes down the tunnel a little later, he can recognize it. He can adjust within that moment. Uh, that's a little bit different. And that's kind of separates what great hitters. It separated, like somebody like Miggy. Why was Miggy so good? They call it play coverage. You call it all I want. But Miggy could make a decision a little bit later what the pitch was. And Keith's got a little bit of uh, that going for him. Eddie, you're on 97 1 the ticket. What's up, Eddie? Oh, good. I get to say at the same time that Pat's the best at 97-1 and Dan Dickerson's the best play-by-play guy in Major League history. <laughs> there you Major go. League history. There we go. <laughs> I'm serious. I like the the information, the stories, you know, the bios you say about their uh, way to the majors and, and the intensity. It's like you're always into the broadcast. <laughs> I am. So, um, <laughs> that's definitely true. I can tell you that from yeah. personal observation of close. What do you now, got, Eddie? About Colt Keith. Now, for years, for a few years, however long it's been, I felt like he was the Tigers' top prospect. There were times where they had him like ninth or fifth or whatever. But 
it didn't make sense to not call him up last September. Uh, I mean, it's such a jump from the minors to the majors. Wouldn't it have been smart to bring him up even for a few weeks and see? Because the, the velocity, like if you watch his highlight reels in Toledo, he was just facing, I saw 90. I didn't even see anything above 90 in this one highlight reel. So you're saying, in other words, he wasn't facing good good enough stuff at AAA and needed a another test? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's such a big jump up. I mean, wouldn't you do that before signing him? I mean, I guess they're paying him about $3 million for this year. But, you know, what if he's not ready this year? It would, you know... Well, uh, first of all, you don't do that unless you kind of know in your mind whether he is. And I think he, and I told Dan this when we were talking off the air, Eddie, you know, the people with Torkelson, you know, I said, look, Torkelson's going to struggle against fastballs. He's never seen them before. Uh, His swing is a certain way and all that. And, you know, I didn't think it would be that long a process. It was a full year uh, process. And then all of a sudden he hit a 97 mile an hour fastball out and then he started hitting out regularly with Colt Keith uh, the type of swing that he has you know the way he, the barrel gets to the ball the plane of the bat getting there uh just yeah, the looks way like he's got a simple simple swing yeah, yeah it's it looks- simple it's not uh it's different uh, I'd, I'd be surprised uh if he uh is in a position where he is not able to make uh the adjustment fairly early and the other thing that's different about him and, and Spencer is Spencer had never played in cold weather before you know, because they had a, the lockout the one year, and then they started the season late, 2020, it was like May, uh, and he played in Arizona and California and all this. Uh, Cole Keith has had a couple cycles where he's played in the cold weather uh, to start a year. So I'm expecting him to get off to a better start uh, with the bat than uh, Spencer Torkelson did. Just one other example, the absolute very best prospects, Bobby Witt Jr. and uh, the guy on the catcher on Baltimore, What's his name? Ashley Ruchman. Yeah. Um, They're no they, longer prospects. They're at players now. Yeah. Well, but I'm just saying, they struggled. They struggled initially uh, for a good, you know, like a month or two. Right. And and they they are the best of the best. And I'm just saying, they had so the you, opportunity you feel like there, there might have been. Teeth. I think there probably a couple things, Eddie, real quick. I just I think okay. that is, they're probably with, again, the at-bats really probably weren't there when you think of the job that Ibanez was doing at second base. He had earned some at-bats down the stretch. And if they had just moved him to second base, which they had, I think they still wanted him to get those game reps. Gets back to what Scott Harris talks about. We want him to be the most complete player possible so they can have success when they get up here. Yeah, It could have been a positional uh, issue. Yeah, and I I really do think he's going to hit right from the get-go. But it's not a bad point. I mean, I think that's a good point. Yeah, There's more incentive to actually call guys up earlier now now that they can, uh, versus delaying them in the in the next year under the well, new. I don't, I, you know, truthfully, I don't think they're calling them up for any no, prospects. No, it, it, never, or, it never felt like they were going to call them up. You know, uh, last yeah. year, it, first of all, Toledo season goes much deeper. Right. Know, because they have always have Monday off in the minor leagues. Uh, so the Toledo season goes deep into September. So it's not September 1st and their season's over like the 6th anymore. I didn't think it ended until like the 22nd or something. Uh, you don't want to get his clock started. Yeah. You, you know, uh, there's no reason to do that. The, the Tigers weren't in contention. So, uh, and they were doing well. So there was no reason to rock the boat and put somebody in there. 
So uh, that's the way it works. Coming up next, we'll get to more of your phone calls on 97 One The Ticket. The 2-2, swing and a miss. Tigers win. Season comes to an end with a big final homestand. The last game for Miguel Cabrera could not have turned out any more special. No more biggie. Well, but uh, we may have uh, you know some uh, wins coming up here. So, you know. Uh, by the way, uh, just in case, you know, Tigers put this up on their website, this show, uh, where they have the uh, podcast. And also, you can get it wherever you get your uh, podcast. Apple iTunes Store, Google Play Store, Spotify, uh, just to name a few. So check it out. And uh, for those of you who listen to 97.1 The Ticket, we also put it up on odyssey.com. So. All right. There you go. Plenty so, of places. Yeah, if you missed it, it, there's no excuse for not catching up. Yeah, we got the <laughs> one, uh, you know, Spencer Torkelson interview, Carrie Carpenter interview, uh, Greenberg, the new GM interview. Uh, who else did we talk to this year? Uh, did I miss anybody? I don't think I did. So, uh, but uh, yeah, check it out again wherever you get your podcast. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. Andrew, what's up, buddy? Hi guys, thanks for having me on. Uh, I listened to the contract extension today, and they talked at length about um, how they ter- came to terms on the deal and player comparisons wise and I know Cole Keith hasn't taken a major league at bat yet but um a ceiling for him I, I was looking at Chase Utley he walks a lot he's got a lot of power hits for high high average played 16 years in the major leagues I, I would like to see something like that from Cole Keith I mean that would be amazing what what would you guys think about that that's a good rock solid comp. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he, you know, if he tops out, you know, look, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, the, right now, all right, I, I would look at it like, well, he does have that type of potential as a hitter. And Utley was a great hitter, right? Uh, defensively, yeah. will he be as good as Utley? I would tend to doubt it at this point. That would be just how I would look at it. But he does have an upside. You know, I'm not saying he's going to be Chase Utley, so don't you know do right. that. The guys yeah, want. Top I, I was 300, 400 hit players of all time, but uh, you know he's going to be, I think, a pretty good uh, hitter for sure. Yeah, he was very steady for a long time, career two seventy. But you know that slash line two seventy three sixty four sixty. That you take and one that. more thing. What impressed me the most last year, guys, was that six for six game. Oh my gosh! Two homers. That was amazing. I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I looked up that stretch. He was in a at that time a twenty five for fifty one. Stretch right. with, I don't know, four or six home runs. I mean, he, he, you talk about getting hot, and that's that's the kind of thing I think Andrew we're going to see. Maybe not twenty five for fifty one, but he, he can get hot. You saw you, again, Pat. You watch a lot, I know, but this is a guy who can carry a team with his bat for a while. Yeah, if he uh, you know just major league pitching, like I said, his upside as a hitter is considerable. You know, he's highly ranked nationally. Uh, I think he's underrated that way. I think a couple of their prospects are. Uh, Jackson Job is unquestionably. Uh, Max Clark's probably where he should be, where he was drafted and all that. Uh, but a couple of them are underrated. They should have had five players in the top 100, in my opinion, as well. 
Uh, I always struggle with McGonagle. McGonagall. McGonagall, the uh, kid from... High uh, school shortstop. Yeah, from Philly area, uh, Delco County. Uh, that kid's got a big upside as a hitter. He's young, yeah. but, uh, you know, he... And he did make one of the top... They did have five in one of the top 100. Yeah, he's... Several, several of them, obviously. Yeah, another one to look for, and this is a guy pitching the major leagues next year is Ty Madden. You uh, love Ty Madden. You like how he, how far he's... You just the stuff. I don't like him like I like Jackson Joe. Right. Jackson Joe about If you missed you know. the show before, Pat likes Jackson Joe. Jackson Joe. <laughs> the Tigers, uh, you know, they might be slow playing you a little bit on that one. You can't watch Jackson Joe without going out of your seat and going, look at this guy. Real quickly, I think it's interesting to mention when you mentioned Jackson Joe, 64 innings plus 16 innings in the fall league, so 80 innings total because of the back injury. And, I mean, thank goodness he came back from that. I mean, you saw him. Just the stuff was amazing. Which was very, you know, reassuring because back injury, young kid, you're like, ah, that's scary. Well, I thought, he, back, I thought it was real great. serious. Yeah. Right. Came back, pitched great. So the question will be how many innings this year. And I think that what the Tigers are really trying to show with their, the beefing up of the strength and conditioning paired with trainers, paired with coaches, the hiring of a Robin Lund. You already have Chris Fetter, who's a, kind of the expert on the, kinesi- or the kinetic chain. I mean, all these things are big. They don't really, I think we're, we're way past the point of 80 innings plus 25% is going to be your limit next year. It's going to be a very individualized approach. They measure things. They test things throughout the year. And that's the player and his body is going to determine innings. They're not going to be stupid. I don't think he's going to go no. to 200 innings. But a Jackson Job could get to, in other words, there won't be artificial limits. It's going to be very much based on the person. But I am... Look at those 80 innings and thinking, ah, will he pitch? Will he be able to come up to the Tigers without being shut down? I do think we're going to see him if he keeps pitching like he's been pitching, don't well, you? I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's kind of an amazing thing where he was okay before. It wasn't like he was a bust, like people were saying and everything. And then he has his back injury. You think he's done. And I don't know what he, what he did. They gave him some magic dust or something. Yeah, it was a magic dust, and it's proprietary. Yeah, it had nothing to do with all that. You know, no, I don't know. Whatever they, you know, whatever he did and whatever determination he came in, he looks so determined, all right? He looks very determined. Like, hey, people were saying I was done. He's got that look. I mean, I haven't talked to him or anything. It's just, yeah. you know, just looking at him, it's like everything else is just completely, you know, it's like he's focused like Scuba's focused, you know? So that that you know, and Ty Madden, they've done a wonderful job with Ty Madden too. The, the new group that we talked about a little bit off the air. Uh, these guys, uh, Scott Harris, uh, people he's brought in, they know what they're doing. They really do. Uh, Al drafted uh, pretty well, and he's getting some kudos, and I'm glad for that. Right. But I, I don't think they would have made the development as much as I love That's Al. I think where the real strength has been. Yeah, they're they've really done a great job with a lot of different players, and it's noticeable. And Cole Keith is one of them. Yeah, I'm sorry we didn't get connect with Keith, uh, Reese Olson, but maybe it was because you know we we did get Cole Keith. But you know, just that's a great development story of its own. Reese Olson and the job that he did, and the way he finished. I mean, he had his bumps, ups and downs, and then he finished really strong. And and that's that's fun to think about. But he's a great example of, like you said. They're taking these guys and making them better. You don't think they really helped help Sawyer along, too. Look how many people Colt Keith thanked in that interview. <laughs> but it was genuine. It's like all the... I'm asking who's helped you along the way, and he just... And at every level, it's teammates, it's coaching, it's the roving instructors like, oh, I don't know, the Hall of Famer Alan Trammell. Yeah. And he takes something from, from each one. And they got... Don't forget about A.J. Hinch and the factor here. A.J. Hinch is a key here because... 
Uh, he got his mojo back last year. They gave him more staff. You know, they have as many assistant coaches. I think Ben Johnson coaches for the Tigers, too. No. <laughs> they got a lot of assistant coaches now. But that's important because he put so much time into preparation. So now he can take the time to do the things that are put a finishing touch. And his ability to mix and match uh, was extraordinary last year. He was very good at that in 2021. 2022 was just a lost year for everybody. But, uh, you know, all those different things are big factors. And, and that's why I think the Tigers are going to contend this year. Absolutely. I'm not one to go, oh, I think they're going right. to do this and that. Uh, but I think they're genuinely uh, got a shot. Uh, Andrew, you're on 97-1 the ticket. What's up, Andrew? Hey, Andrew. Is that me? Yeah, it's, that's you, man. You're on the radio. Uh, well, I know the last guy was Andrew. And it's really <laughs> and, uh, I was, I was, uh, I was uh, yeah, waiting on you. It, it really is a pleasure to talk to you both, uh, Pat and Dan. Um, I really appreciate your guys' insight. Um, I have a few things. Um, Scott Harris uh, not signing like a bigger bat. Do you, uh, is that going to come, do you think, in the future or uh, maybe midseason? I was expecting like a bigger splash. Yeah, I think it's, and we've talked about it a little bit. It's, it's. I agree with you. I think they could use another bat, but it's also the thing that he's balancing is something that no Tigers GM has had to balance for a long, long time, and that is you legitimately, in the space of three years, could develop five or six middle of the order bats, and they've got to find out yeah. about these guys. And it, yeah, I still what, believe that, that, I would love to have JD Martinez and create some headaches for. Or uh, for, for A.J. Hinch and putting the final roster together. I really do, but I also understand exactly why that probably won't happen. Jace Young is legit. Keith, Cole Keith is going to make the opening day roster. They didn't say that. I'll say that. I mean, they all but said that with signing into a six-year extension. But Jace Young is, is going to be on the fast track as well. And you have to, you know, you have to have a spot for him, and they – JD would be a, a DH, but I do think they like the idea of holding that spot open to rotate guys through. You know, the other thing was it wasn't a great free agent uh, a signing period for right. uh, hitters. There just weren't a lot of them. And the ones yeah. that are out there because of that uh, tend to be overpriced. You know, that's why you see Bellinger and Chapman slow to sign and all that. Still might happen as long as they sit out there. I, I mean, if he's yeah. just sitting there and we're into March and <laughs> stranger things have happened. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I think, uh, yeah, I think Dan's points well taken. And look, the Tigers, if they're going to be good, a lot of this is not just the influx of Keith or something, you know, young comes up or, you know, one of the pitchers that's younger, you know, t- you know, has an impact could be Ty Matt, could even be Jackson Job. There's others. Uh, but it's also year to year improvement of Torkelson, Green, uh, Carpenter, you know, along the lines. Somebody like Verlene is now entering the prime of his prime. So there's a lot of different things. i to see what he's going to do this year because they, I mean, he's got great bat to ball skills. I think we're just seeing the beginning of what the upside is for Verlene. The thing is, he can't run. He's a... <laughs> he can't. <laughs> that dude's fast, isn't he? <laughs> he can fly. I mean, you know, I mean, they got, that's the other thing. They have athleticism. You know, Parker Meadows is faster. <sighs> Wow. You know, Badu, Badu can really fly. Badu's extraordinarily fast and short range, going down to first and all that. I mean, my gosh, they got a lot of speed on that team. Yeah. You know, but it's just those three players. Those are like top 20 in major league foot speed. <laughs> I mean, when did the Tigers ever hit that? Yeah, uh, Roger in Ann Arbor, you're on 97 won the ticket. What's up, buddy? Hi, fellas. Um, I have a question about uh, with with the uh, free agent acquisitions in the outfield and starting pitching. 
What do you think, um, as best as you can tell, the Tigers' management appraisal of Badu and Manning? That's a great question. Because right now you've got a six-man rotation, right? With Maeda, Flaherty, Mize, Scooble, Olsen, and Manning. And I don't know how that's going to... These teams, things tend to shake out, but I, I do think that's a... Olsen's not going anywhere. He's not going to the bullpen. Manning's not going anywhere. I don't picture him going to the bullpen. How will it shake out? I don't think it'll be a six-man rotation. So that, to me, is actually a very interesting question. And then the second part, I don't know where Badu fits in. Another left-handed outfielder, and they've really got four already. you got a four-man rotation with Meadows, Carpenter, Green, and Canna. Well, maybe you didn't read my column about this. I did not. Yes. What did you say? You're, do you have them traded? Uh, yeah, I think they're both trade pieces, but they haven't been traded so far. Yeah, but uh, it could be you could see something on it because the other teams are going to like him, Manning, because he's got this exceptional extension, ninety-seven. So it means that in the top three percentile, it means the ball's coming out of his hand closer to the plate, which makes his fastball play up. And Badu, because he's got tools. He's got but tools. He can run, and you know he's hit ninety-seven mile-hour fastballs out. So while he so hasn't been able to, be, and they still they believe he's got power upside. I'm sorry, what'd you say, Roger? I was going to say, so you think that that um, they're expendable, basically? That yeah, yes. the emergence of other guys, you yes. know, like Meadows and so on, and the emergence of Olsen and other guys like Ty Madden and the Wings and Job. You think those two guys are probably. Even though they have some upside. Well, the one thing, Badu, go ahead. Badu is arbitration eligible, and they only had to pay him one five. Manning's not arbitration eligible. He's got club control for a little while longer, uh, and then that'll appeal to other teams that may raise his value. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying, hey, trade these guys; they right. stink. I think they both have value, and that's one of the reasons. And you got a GM who's a, he's got a clue. All right. So, you know, you you might see in value for value trades are often what make teams. So it might be good for them and it might be good for the Tigers. You know what I mean? It's it's one of those things. Yeah. Uh, You know, a lot will depend on Manning on Mize. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, that'll, you know, be one of the uh, things that go, hey, we ran out of time. We couldn't get to all the calls. Appreciate all the calls. Had a little bit of an awkward flow today. But, hey, we're trying to be smooth. I thought it went. It flowed very well. We flow. A couple smooth dudes here. But anyway, Dan, enjoyed it as always. As always, next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. And, you know, before you know it, you're going to be on a jet plane headed down to to Florida. Three weeks from tomorrow. Yeah, you'll be calling those spring training games. I can't wait to hear that. Always listen to your first one, (laughs) especially from Archon Stadium. Something about it just sounds like what it is. So, but anyway... Uh, Dan, I, I know you're going to stick around here and host Pistons tonight with me tonight, aren't you? Y- yes. Come on, we can talk yes. about the Pistons. <laughs> Come on, Pistons Weekly's coming on. Let me do a little prep in the break here. Yeah, okay? you can check out. You know, <laughs> it's Cade Cunningham hitting as many uh, three point percentages as what Colt Keith's going to hit. We got some topics. <laughs> no, anyway, I, I kid the Pistons. You know, I kid Dan. Anyway, uh, it's Tiger Talk. Uh, Ninety-seven won the ticket.